it's, it's funny. Um, you know what I like about that? It's a, actually a couple of videos. They put out about four or five videos. It was a church that did that. And uh, I love those videos because what they do is they just kind of take a lot of people's preconceived ideas of God and Jesus and, uh, and kind of put it out there. And we laugh about it a little bit. But the truth is, some of us really had ideas or views of that's who Jesus was or is and what he came to do is just get up there and tell us how messed up we are. And then see you later. <laughs> and, the, and, and the thing is that that's just, like, it couldn't be farther from the truth. It couldn't be farther from the truth. Jesus came to walk with us. Jesus came to uh, give us that relationship, not only with Him, but because of Him, we have that relationship with the Father. And that is so awesome. He didn't come to sit up there and tell us how a bunch of sinners we are and how messed up we are. He came to tell us that we have hope. And that's what this church is all about. The hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And so as we find that hope, we can truly come to Him, holding nothing back. And that's what we've been looking at this week, in this, this last actually couple of weeks, about a month or so, as we've been going through the book of Leviticus, that God shows this whole new way of living with Him in this relationship where we can truly hold nothing back. And we've seen this through the different offerings that we've been looking at. And we've, we went through five offerings. And if you guys remember those, that was the burnt offering, which showed us about seeking, truly seeking God 100%. And then the grain offering, or fellowship offering, which was about serving others. And then we had the peace offering. And the peace offering was all about uh, sharing God's kingdom. And then the sin offering, which was just kind of re re revealing to us those, those secret things in our life, those secret sins in our life, those things that maybe we don't even know about. That, even, that, that, that David, the psalmist, said, Lord, reveal to me, you know, create in me a clean heart, but also show me where in my heart that I've, I've, I've blown it and I don't even know it. Um, the guilt offering was all about uh, God giving back what we, what, what we have stolen. And so we've looked at these different offerings and what they've looked at. And the cool thing is, I've heard from a lot of people that even though we're looking at the book of Leviticus, which is super just, it seems really archaic and really like, wow, what does Leviticus have to do with me? Is through these offerings and through the book of Leviticus, people have seen that, that oh man, it's, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is there just as much as, as he was in the New Testament, you know, and, and just as much as he is here right now. And so that's the exciting thing. Um, and so what we're going to be looking at today is, is we're going to be looking at the priesthood. So as we get into Leviticus chapter 8. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but there, there, we've looked at all these symbols, we've looked at all these pictures, and today is no exception. In fact, we're going to be putting up some pictures because um, when we look at the, at the priests and different things, there's a ton of symbols. And now you have to understand that, that these symbols were super important with the people back then because they were mostly all illiterate. They, they, you know, the priest couldn't come up and just pass out, um, you know, the Old Testament, the Bible, or whatever it was at the time, the Torah. They couldn't just pass out these scrolls, and everybody got up there and read them personally. Um, before they had, it, 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 the Gutenberg Press in the 1600s, most people were illiterate. The only very few, and you have to remember, these were slaves from Egypt. You didn't waste an education on a slave. And I don't say that to, to be mean, I'm just saying that's the truth. 400 years the Israelites came out. So you had a majority of really good laborers, but definitely not people that sat down and understood God's word. And so God, in his mercy, comes to these people that don't really understand and shows them and shares with them 
His word through symbols and pictures. Does that make sense? And so this is how they were able to understand it. And now today, because we can look back at these pictures, it reveals God's plan, which we see now through the person of Jesus and the purpose that God has for you and me. Does that make sense? And so the the take-home truth that I want to share with you today, uh, if you're looking at your your bulletin, it's in there. The take-home truth of Leviticus 8 and the priesthood is that holding nothing back means we accept our priesthood and serve God wholeheartedly. Amen? Alright, let's stand up and we're going to go ahead and read God's word. And before we do, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we come before you as people who are in awe of you. What great worship that the worship team led us into where we were able just to understand and see you so much more clearly. That above and below us, Lord, you're everywhere. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you come to us first. That you allow us to be in your family, in your kingdom. And Lord, you don't just you don't just get up on a mountain and say, "Hey, you're all screwed up. There's no hope. <laughs> Good luck." No, you come to us and you say, "I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life." Now follow me. Let me take you by the hand. And let me lead you to the purpose and the plan that my Heavenly Father has for you. Thank you so much for that. There's such hope in that. And I'm so excited about the hope we can see today in looking at the pictures as we meet the person today in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now as you remain standing, we're going to go ahead and read Leviticus chapter 8. So follow along with me. Leviticus 8 Verse 1 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons, their garments, the anointing oil, the bowl for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket containing bread made without yeast. And gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting. That's a big deal. There's about two million of them right now. And so he's saying, gather everybody up. And if you can imagine, two million people all around this massive tent waiting for this big day. Verse 4, Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly gathered at the entrance of the tent, or to the tent of meeting. Moses said to the assembly, this is what the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron, tied the sash around him, clothed him with the robe, and put on the ephod on him. He also fastened the ephod with the decorative waistband, which he tied around him. He placed the breastpiece on him and put the urim and the thummim in the breastpiece. Then he placed the turban on Aaron's head and set the gold plate, the sacred emblem, on the front of it, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and everything in it, and so consecrated them. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and basin with its stand to consecrate them. He poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then he brought Aaron's sons forward and put tunics on them, tied sashes around them, and fastened caps on them as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay, you can be seated. And I know some of you are thinking right now, wow, what a fashion statement. Huh? Some of you are like, can I get it? Can I go to TJ Maxx and pick that up? That was my outfit choice for today, by the way, but it was in the cleaners. Um, but we're being, we have to remember here, we're being thrown into the middle of something. And a lot of times when we, we, we do this as Christians, we, we, you know, people who, who love the Lord, sometimes we get it, and we pick up the Bible, and we go, okay, i got to read today, and we just open it up, and oh, Leviticus chapter 8, and we read it, and we go, what the heck just happened? I, I, I don't understand. It's almost like 
You're to come home, maybe your family's watching a movie, and you get right in the middle of it. And it's one of those complicated movies. You know what I'm saying? T- typically, like a, like a movie, uh, like Inception or something. Imagine just being put right in the middle of this movie, and you're going, what's going on? And maybe you're annoying like I am, where you talk during movies. Some of you hate me. That's okay. I'm used to it. I've gotten a lot better. But maybe, what's going on? What's happening? Wait, why is that person... Wait, I thought he was dead. And it's almost confusing. And the person has to stop the movie and say, Look, you know what? You just need to watch it from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Because you're annoying me. Just get out of here. It's usually what happens to me. I'm annoying. Um, so I apologize for that. But, but the truth is, uh, that's what we're getting here. We're getting right in the middle. And it's hard for us to really understand what's going on. These Israelites, these Jewish people, these, these slaves that came up had months and months and months of following Moses who was explaining these things over time and sharing these things as these pieces were made. The pipeline of human, um, the best, the, the telephone game, so to speak, was being played throughout because people were making these pieces, the ephod and the linens and the robes, and these were being made and people were understanding that because they would hear, hear from so-and-so and such-and-such and then Moses would say and then it would go around between all the people of, oh, this is what's going on. So they got this. And we just open it up, read it, and expect to understand it like that. It's not going to happen. And so what we have here is we have some interesting things that we really need to look at. Um, So we have to play a little catch-up. Now, we're not going to cover all of it because we don't have enough time. You don't have about three hours here, so we're just going to do this as quickly as possible. But we need to understand each of these pieces because each of these pieces, as it was, was a picture. And I just really want you to get that. You have to think of each of these pieces as a picture of God's grace. Because what's going to happen is, as we look at these pieces, or these symbols, or these pictures, they ultimately come to a place where we, as a people today, can experience each one of these things. So these little pieces are now who we are in the person of Christ. Do you get what I'm saying here? See, so the pieces and the symbols represent God's grace, whereas now, because of Jesus, these symbols are in us, through the Holy Spirit. And so what I'd like to do, and don't worry if you're confused, because I know there's a lot of stuff here we're going to go through, but the first thing I want to point you to is if we're really going to live this way, as, as the priests then were consecrated and as we are today, holding nothing back, means we hold tightly to God's word and let it transform us. So we hold tightly to God's word and we let it transform us, okay? Here in Leviticus 8, again, we see the priests and high priests being set apart or sanctified for God's work. Now that's a big word and that's a big understanding there, but truly all that means is to be sanctified, is set apart to do the duties or work for, for, for God. And so what they're doing is they're being set apart. And God uses these symbols to show His grace, but later He uses His Son to share His grace with all. So, we have to remember something here. Jesus, in John 1, is also called the Logos, the Word. And so what we have here is Moses saying, Hey, everything God told me to do, I'm doing with you. And so, he says, because of the word that was spoken to me by the Lord, that's what I'm going to do to set you apart. And so now, we have that revelation of Jesus Christ who says, I'm not only telling you. Because see, that that was that funny video when you get up there, he says, I'm telling you all, you're all messed up. But that's not what he came to do. He came to say, I am the word. And he got in trouble for this all the time. He said, by the way, I'm the bread of life. If you eat my body and drink my blood. And people were like, what? 
It freaked him out. They're like, we're not cannibals. He's like, you don't get it. I am the manna from heaven. I am the word that you were supposed to chew on. As Isaiah, when he received God's words, he chewed on them and said he ate the scroll almost. He said it's like honey. He said the idea was that the word of God is something to be consumed that changes us and transforms us. And that's what we do in communion. You see, God came to us so that we might be dependent upon him and be transformed. And so what's interesting is what we have in John 17, and I just want to illuminate this because Leviticus 8 and John 17 are very similar. What you have in Leviticus 8 is the sanctification of the priests, the setting apart of the priests. And what you have with Jesus is what theologians call in John 17 the high priestly prayer. What Moses is doing with Aaron is the same thing that Jesus in John 17 does with all of us who believe on him. See, in John 17, he says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He's doing the same thing that Aaron is doing and the same thing that Moses is doing. In verse 18 he says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I set apart or sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified or set apart. They might be priests. You see, this is why Jesus is the person of grace. Those pictures are nice, but now Jesus comes along and says, this is what it's all about. The offerings and pictures were to to all represent a God who comes near to us, but he always draws near to transform us. Okay, They were to be the ones, these priests were to be the ones that stood in the gap and shared the grace of God. This is why Peter calls us as followers of Jesus a royal priesthood, right? If you look at the book of Peter, he says, you are a royal priesthood. He uses temple language, Leviticus 8 language. So let's look at these symbols here. So what I'm going to do is I want to put up a picture of the high priest. And some of you um, have been waiting and dying for this. You really want to know because, you know, we talked about this. So let's put up that picture. Okay, now here's the high priest, okay? And this is what the, the, the high priest, if you were to have gone to the temple, you would look like. And again, there's all these things going on, right? There's all this stuff happening. Um, and, and, and again, we can look at it and go, wow, that's, that's cool. I want to wear that. Um, some of you. How, you know, uh, Harvest Festival, the Fall Fun Fest is coming, and some of you are like, I'm going as the high priest. Um, that's right. With the pomegranates down here, the bells and the pomegranates, and we're going to talk about that. So let's... let's um, Let's talk, let's jump into this, alright? The, the, the tunic, we're gonna start with the tunic. Now you can't really see the tunic too much because what that is, is that's all right here. That's the tunic and what's on his arms and everything else, that's the tunic, okay? And it's the, it's the actual robe that he wears underneath everything. Now, in the Bible, white, or a white garment is always referred to as a fine linen. That meant it was white. That means it was untouched, unblemished. It, it was pure. And so that is the the representation or the symbol of purity. And so the picture of grace that I want to show here, because again, these are pictures, our priests are sanctified by God. They're made pure by God. Okay, not by himself. He can't wear that because he's good. You get it? He wears that because God did it. God let him. He's made pure. No more impurities. If you look forward to Revelation 19, 7, 8, we see a picture of those who are followers of Christ. And Revelation 17 or 19, 7-8 says this. I love this. It says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. For Jesus has come. 
And his bride has made herself ready. His bride is the church, the bride of Christ. And look at this, look what he says. He says, fine linen, white robes, have been, have been bright and clean, were given her, or given the church to wear. It shows the purity, the, the, the richness of being sanctified by Jesus. Does that make sense? And that's what we have here with the high priest. Now, the sash, this is an interesting thing. So if we go back to that, the sash is the next thing. Now, it's the belt that goes around. If you notice, here's the, the, the belt. And it just goes around and puts it on. Now, the, the interesting thing about a sash is that this is the crazy thing. If you were a person of influence, if you were a wealthy person, if you were a ruler, uh, if you were anybody who was anybody, you didn't wear a sash. See, a sash was only for servants. It was for slaves and servants. Because what a sash was for, if you, imagine if we were all wearing robes. They're nice. I mean, robes are great. I mean, you know, some, some people, if they could, they would wear robes all the time because it's just so nice and, you know. But if you're going to do any type of work, those robes are going to get in the way. If you remember from the, the, the prodigal son, the um, father runs to the prodigal, and what does he do? He has to lift up his robes when he runs, which is a horrendous thing to do. Anybody in that community would have been like, oh, he did that? How, he just disgraced himself. Because people of influence do not run. <laughs> you don't run. And so what we have in the high priest is... They have to wear a servant or a slave's garment. See, the picture of grace here is simple. Priests are servants. They're servants. If you remember from Jesus, what did he do? when he, Right before the cross, he gets down on his, on his knees and he takes off his outer garments and wraps them around him like a, like a, like a sash because he's going to wash the feet of his disciples. He's going to serve. See, you are a servant of God and of others. Jesus echoes this when he says that when you served the least, you served me. It's good stuff. This is, this is the picture of grace. Now the next one, the blue robe, because that's the outside stuff. The, the blue robe is the next part. And that's, if you, like again, what, uh, what Valerie was showing was that there's pomegranates and bells and all these different things at the bottom of this blue robe. But the blue robe was really for all the nastiness. You didn't want to get that white thing really messed up, so you had the blue thing that could be washed a little easier. And so that was a part of it. But... What we have on the blue robe is interesting. Again, it's the pomegranates and the bells. And, and you, this was always so that you can see that the high priest is different. You can see that the priests were different. You see, you would see these bells and things. This was not normal. And, and you could hear them. So it was something that you could see and hear that would show a big difference between the normal person. Because nobody really wore this. The main reason for the bells was that in the duties, they need to be heard so that if they were behind the Holy of Holies doing their thing, people could hear them because they could not go in and get them. So they put a rope around their foot and if something bad happened, they would just pull them out. Because if they stopped hearing those bells, they would say, hey, did you fall in? You know, that was the concept there. Did you, did, did, something was wrong with him. But let me just say, this is the picture here of grace. The picture of grace, priests are to be seen and heard by the fruit of the Spirit. 
This is the simple part. You see, as priests, as people called and sanctified and set apart for the purpose of God, we're to be seen and heard. Now, now that doesn't mean we, we're seen for ourselves. I, that happens to me all too frequently. The other day I had some friends over at our house and they saw a part of me that I had to apologize later for. I said, I was a bad dude that night. I was a bad dude. Because what was seen was me. What was seen was my own selfishness. What was seen and heard was just me being kind of a jerk. That doesn't happen to you, I know. I'm talking, I'm, preach, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys don't do any of that. Um, but for me, that was what was seen and heard. See, Christians need to be known for their love, their joy, their peace, their patience, their kindness, their generosity, their self-control. Do you see where we're going with this? And the saddest thing to me, the saddest thing to me, is that Christians are known more for the negative and more for, known more for what they don't like than the truth and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and His gifts that He gives us. See, when you look at the, just look at the divorce rate in the church compared to the divorce rate in, in, in the regular world outside the church, there's not much difference. Now, I'm a child of divorce. I, I get it. I'm not saying that, that, that everybody is evil at divorces. I'm just saying there's not a lot of difference sometimes between us and the world outright. They, what are they seeing? When the masses outside the tent is looking at the high priest, are they seeing the fruit of the Spirit, the, the bells? Are they hearing those things? Now, the ephod is next. The ephod is just a fancy word for apron. And that's that apron, that multicolored apron that's on the, the, the priest. And if you notice on his shoulders, there's things on the ephod. And the ephod, um, again, was for all the blood and all the different things that were going to get on him. Um, but, but on his shoulders, that represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And those were the weight of God's people on his shoulders. See, the family of God is always a burden on him. And not a burden that's bad, but a burden that's, hey, this is my family. These are my people. It's the responsibility of love. It's like when Jesus said, love God with all your mind, your heart, and your soul. And love others equally. The high priest got this. And, and see, Jesus, again, in, in John 13, he's just echoing this when he says very simply... By this, everyone will know that you are my priests or you are my disciples if you love one another. You have a burden for the people of God. See, when the church first started, there were so many stories of, of people being taken care of by each other. I love Acts chapter 4, and, all, and if you look at Acts 2 on, and all that, it shows pictures of the church, and it says that nobody was in need because everybody who had gave. And people were taken care of. And it said that their numbers were added to daily. Why? Because people saw that and they were like, there is a difference. There is a difference. They're being loved. They're being taken care of. They're a family. And see, that's that picture of grace. Priests are a part of God's siblings. You, you and me, in Christ, are brothers and sisters. This is why Paul more than any other thing in the Bible. Please understand, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this very easily, but also very tough, and hopefully you receive it. Please receive it. 
More than anything else, Paul condemns disunity. More than he condemns heresy. More than he condemns just sinful living. Whatever you want to go. He condemns disunity. When people in the faith, in the family, siblings in the Lord, speak against other siblings in the Lord, he cuts that down. He condemns that. It's the worst thing to the Apostle Paul. Who, by the way, was inspired by the Spirit of God to write what he wrote, which we now know as the New Testament. Because he does not like it. And yet, what do we do? We cut each other down. We, anybody been there as far as family goes? It's easier to wound your family than anybody else. My wife reminds me of this all the time. And very rightly, she says, would you ever say that to anybody else? Like if a neighbor came up? No, I wouldn't say that. Why are you saying it to me? Because I'm a jerk. <laughs> That's the truth. I make mistakes. But we wound our family way more than we ever would wound anybody else. Please, seek unity and love. Love your brothers and sisters. We're siblings. In Jesus' high priestly prayer in chapter 7, in the book of John, or chapter 17 actually, again, this is his high priestly prayer. I, I, Francis Schaeffer really puts this, he, he he looks at this, as most theologians do, and say, if you really want to make God known, then love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because when you look at John 17, he directly states that our love for each other as siblings in God's kingdom is how people outside the family will know that He is real. That is the biggest proof that God exists. Francis Schaeffer stated it, many theologians have stated it, that if you want to really prove to the world around you that God exists, love your brothers and sisters inside the church. That's what John 17 is all about. How we treat each other inside the family is directly linked to God being revealed to those outside the family. Anybody ever gone to a family where it's kind of uncomfortable? <laughs> That's how I kind of made it to my friends that were over the other night. I was being a jerk and... It was uncomfortable for them because I wasn't being a loving person. Who cares if I was tired or had a stressful week? I, that's just the truth. And too many times churches become these places where instead of loving each other, we're at each other's throats. And God is made a laughingstock. Now, next, the breast, the breast piece, all right? This is the thing that's on his front there. The breast piece, uh, which is on the chest, is made out of cloth, and there's 12 stones. There's 12 stones there. That each represents each tribe of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel. Now, the reason it's right there and it's on the front there is because priests, here's the picture of grace, priests are to keep God's people close to their soul, close to their heart. See, this was a representation of the high priest and anybody at that time would walk in and say, yeah, the high priest has me and my tribe and my family close to his heart and soul. This is why we do grow groups. We want to grow closer to each other. In our grow groups, we do this thing and sometimes it seems a little awkward, but there's a reason we do it. We do our highs and lows because we come in and we say, how was your week? How can we pray for you? Because we want to grow closer. I want to have my brothers and sisters close to my heart so that I can pray for them and hold them and lift them up as they need it, as I need it. That's what it's all about. Being intentional. The high priest in his breastpiece did this. Now, the Urim and Thummim, what do they look like? Well, they're not on there. 
If people ever try to tell you what the umum and thummim look like, they're lying. Nobody knows. It's lost in lore. The umum and thummim, um, we just don't have it, but we know that they're roughly translated as lights, umum and, and, and thummim, which perfections. So lights and perfections. We do know what they were used for. See, they were used for, the high priest would take these and they would, um, they would ask for guidance for the people of God and what was God's plan or purpose for them and they would use, somehow use the umum and thummim to figure that out. That's how they would figure it out. See, I don't believe it's any coincidence that we don't have the umum and thummim today because we have the Holy Spirit, see? And, and it's not... We don't need to go to some type of uh, resource to figure out God's will for us because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Jesus says, I'm going to send my counselor. You don't need the umum and thummim. You don't need resources. You've got a relationship. That's the point. Picture of grace. Priests are to walk in God's spirit daily. A lot of times... You're just like me and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to say. And instead of pulling out something that, 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 that may work or may not, might not, I, I meet people all the time. Um, I used to have kids in my youth group and I'd talk to them about Jesus. They'd say, I don't believe in that junk. I don't believe in Jesus and God. You can't see Him and everything else. So, but I have this crystal. It's a magic crystal. And I'm like, Really? You don't believe in God, but you believe in the magic crystal? Or I go to a psychic. Or I believe in facts. Yeah, good, good luck on that. Because facts are always changing. All those things are always changing. But we have God's Spirit to lead us and give us the counsel. Now, the turban... The turban is, is, is representation. It's on the head and it's just a typical hat that they would wear. And this is to show that the priest's thoughts are on God. That the priest tries to be close in his mind to that of what God wants. See, the picture of grace here is that priests are to be single-minded in their thoughts of God. And the Apostle Paul really illuminates this in the book of 1 Corinthians. Speaking of priests, believers, he says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Our thoughts are on God. And in the book of Philippians, Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, fellow priests, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Put your mind on. Think about these things. Put on the turban. That's the idea. Our mind is to be on Christ. But if you're like me, sometimes your mind is on everything else in the calendar. The bad stuff going on, or this, or... This is why I don't listen to the news as much as I used to. Because I'd listen to the news and my mind would be on that and I'd be depressed. Anybody out there? <laughs> sometimes I listen to politics and I, oh, and I... And my wife can tell. Yeah, have you been listening to the news all day? Yes! Everything's going to pot, you know? It's all terrible. Because that's what they... I mean, it's fear, isn't it? So much so, we're, we're focused on fear. And it's not what God would have us focus on. Nothing wrong with the news. But we need to have our mind ultimately focused on Him. Now, the crown, the diadem, it, it was just a small band of gold. Okay, that, 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 That's what's, what's written on it. And this is what's important. is It says, holy to the Lord. Set apart for the Lord. Completely given to the Lord. 
The priest's responsibility, everything given. So when you saw the high priest, you knew completely given to God. See, the picture of grace here is simple. Priests are to be steadfast in their commitment to God. We're reminded by the diadem, by the crown, that we have a crown. And the book of Revelations is very good at this. It says we're going to take our crowns and we're going to do what? We're going to cast them at the feet of the high priest, to Jesus. Our crowns are given to him. Because he's worthy. He's the worthy one. So, why do we go through all this? Well, let me, let me just very simply, in the next couple of minutes, I just want to push this out to you here. Because the fashion is great. And hopefully what you're seeing is the pictures of grace. But what is the purpose for us today? How does this really play out in the person of Christ and what he has for you and me? Well, first, every Christian is a priest. And called to serve God. See, every Christian is a priest and called to serve God. I want you to do something real quick. And I know it sounds kind of hokey, but do do this for me. If, if if no one is to the left or the right of you, then look backwards and you know over your shoulder. But say, I'm a priest. Tell somebody now, you're a priest. All right. I know some of you are like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you can't make me. Are you like me? You're stubborn. I'm not going to do it. He told me to do it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> It's all right. I'll pray for you. But but the truth is, is 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 it hard? Some of you are like, I mean, if you're like me, I I, I have a hard time being a priest because there's responsibility behind it. And maybe you're like me. You're like, um, I'm too screwed up to be a priest. <laughs> Tough. You're a priest. In Jesus Christ, we're all priests. Yeah, but I'm dumb. Then you're a dumb priest. But I'm poor. You're a poor priest. <laughs> But you know, I just, I, I'm getting to that point in my life where, oh, you're an old priest. That's okay. You're a priest. You're not a priest because you're perfect. You're a priest because you're set apart by God through Jesus Christ to serve. See, God in His infinite wisdom chose you. He chose you. And He does that through Jesus Christ and giving you the Holy Spirit so that you might have His purpose and His plan and take it to the world out there. See, Peter talks about this. Again, I alluded to this earlier, but 2 Peter 9-10, through 10, a good Jewish boy, by the way. Peter was raised on the Torah, had the first five books of the Torah memorized. He knew Leviticus. He had it memorized at one time. So he says this in verse 9 of 2 Peter. He says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You get that? A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare what? The praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people. Once you were not a priest. You weren't a royal priesthood. But now you are the people of God. The priesthood of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. Amen? And it's nothing we've done. Shoot, Aaron was picked high priest and that guy was a... I'm sorry, but he was a turd. He made a lot of mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes. Aaron's own sons, and we're going to look at that later, his own sons are struck down because they messed it up so badly. And yet they were still picked for priests at that time. See, at the mission, when you, this is why we say every member, every member has a mission. You are a priest Set apart for God's special use. 
We're not special because the worship team's up here doing their thing. These aren't special people and you're just to receive that specialness of their special amazingness. <laughs> there are more of you out there that could be on the worship team. There are more of you that could get up here and speak. I don't want to be the only one that speaks. I love it when Mark comes up here. I can't wait to let Mark come up here more. Because then I'll have a week where I do nothing. No, I'm just kidding. I don't just... I work one day a week. That's it. No. Some of you know that's not true. But, but more people should be able to get up here. More people should be in the tech crew. More people should be working with children's ministry. More people should be out on the streets doing what God's called them to do because we are... We, we're members who have a mission. Because we're priests. We're priests. I love this. this. Then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. So he consecrated Aaron and garments and his sons and their garments. By the way, if you look at First Peter, let me show you something interesting. Because if you're still doubting that you're a priest, Peter says this, who's reminding people who they really are. Who, who have been chosen? You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Who knew you before you even knew? Before you could even know? Through what? The sanctifying work of the Spirit. To the obedience of Jesus Christ. And what? Sprinkled with His blood. Do you get it? Because Peter knew it. He knew the Levitical language. If you were a priest, you were sprinkled with the blood of the offering. And Peter illuminates this to Leviticus 8 and he says, you've been sprinkled with the offering. The perfect offering of Jesus Christ. Amen? Perfect offering. Jesus has been sprinkled on you and God sees that and knows you're not perfect, but Jesus is. So serve. You are a priest. Christians are priests. We're not the high priest. Remember that. <laughs> we have a perfect high priest. But when the high priest says what he says, you listen. You know what our high priest said to do? Matthew 28, as he's standing there, giving his marching orders to his people, to the priests, to you and me, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Go. Go, priests. So how do we do that? Very quickly, I want to point you to three things. But the main thing that I would point you to is serve God wholeheartedly, holding nothing back. You see, we got nothing but opportunities around us. Nothing but opportunities. God didn't call us to sit and do nothing. Now, there are times, please, even Jesus, what they call, they had, he had a desert time where he wasn't in ministry because he was just sitting at the feet of the Lord, soaking in what he needed. Paul, when he was called to go out and preach to all the world, he sat for like three years, a long time, actually almost seven years. He sat. Why? Because God was filling him, and that's okay. But a lot of times what happens as Christians, we get to this place where we just get more and more truth, and then we just sit on it, sit on it, and sit on it, and sit on it, and pretty soon we just get numb to it. Because our legs are going numb and we've atrophied in our seats. And we're not getting up and going and making disciples. So we want to serve because that's what priests are to do. That first part. Now, I've left some blanks there because I want you to write this down. I want you to take this seriously. In our grow groups, we're going to talk about this more. But we've got three areas of service. And you don't have to do it all. We don't want you to do it all. If you try to, you're fired. Don't do it all. I can't do it all. I don't want to do it all. But I want you to prayerfully think about where God has called you to serve. Serve the mission. Children's ministry needs helpers, needs teachers. To influence a child forever. Talking about paying it forward. <laughs> 
There will be people in heaven because of what you did in that third grade class or fourth grade class. Now that's retirement investment. We so much of the time think about our last 10 years of life, we forget about our first 10 million. Can I say that again? We think so much about our last 10 years of life that we forget about our 10 million years when we first step into God's kingdom. That is what we need to be focused on. That is what we need to be saving for. And that's what we do when we work with these kids. Or in Awana. Shoot, you don't like kids? I don't. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I got my fill. <laughs> I got four of them. I love my kids. And I actually like kids, but you know, I, I joke around. But we got a landscaping crew. we got the worship team, tech crew. You name it. Everything that goes into making this place run, every member's a mission. We truly believe that. Secondly, serving the mission is great, but serve the community. Serve the community. I was at the Blessing Center the other day, and there was a guy that came by today, and he, they were walking on by. He's like, hey, I know you from the Blessing Center. Thank you. Like, hey, I'm just there serving. I'm just another servant. I tell him, I say, I get a box. I get a box of food. It's good. I love going there and serving. It's great. But sometimes it's not easy. We served over 250 families yesterday. And we're going to be doing that again this Saturday. We're going to be doing a Thanksgiving feast with the community, with them, with the needy. We're going to do a Christmas feast with the needy. You know the coolest thing they're doing soon is they're going to open a restaurant. Do you guys remember Claro's old restaurant on 5th and Redlands? Well, the Blessing Center now has that. You know what they're going to do? They're going to take homeless people and people who are just in need with work and vocational services and they're going to teach them how to cook. Those that want to know how to cook, it's going to be a fully teachable restaurant for them to cook. And while they're learning to cook, they're going to cook meals, breakfast meals for the homeless. Because a lot of places around, man, you can get a bag lunch, you might be able to get some hot food at night, but nobody does breakfast. Oh, and they're pretty close to the high school. Can you imagine high schoolers going over there getting a really cheap meal and we have an opportunity to serve them? We have an opportunity to care for them. We have an opportunity to step out and serve the community. To share and show the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? I get excited about this stuff. See, I love to preach, but even more, I want to get out there. I love it. We have an opportunity, too, with the Fall Fun Fest coming up. You know, we, we just put on a big thing here in front where we give away food and we give away fun and we just get to go out there and meet people. It's during Halloween and there's just thousands of people out there. Well, we need all hands on deck. We need candy. We need people to run things and just help out. But mainly we just want your awesome presence here so that you can shake somebody's hand from the community and say, hey, I want to talk to you. Just get to know you. We're a church and we're a family. And we love each other and we want to love more people out there. That's all we're doing. Market night, same thing. We have a great opportunity coming up to do a photo booth. <laughs> Free photos where people can dress up in crazy costumes. We're probably going to be doing this sometime in November or December. Get a little photo booth and we just get them a free photo. There's thousands of people walking through there. Everybody wants their money. We don't want your money. <laughs> we just want to serve you. That's how we do it. There's no trick or anything. It's just taking a picture, making a connection. God loves you. Lastly, we have serve the world. I'm so excited about the connections we're making around the world. We've got Thailand. Uh, Thule is going to be coming in October. and He's going to be speaking. And he's a missionary there in Thailand. Um, 
with Envision. What an exciting opportunity to go and talk to young people for like 10 days, 14 days. It's not going to be long, but I'm hoping we can set something up in the next year. We can get a crew of people who really just want to go out and do something. Russia, where hopefully that the, that the, um, uh, uh, the Todds who came and talked a couple of months ago, they're going to be ready to start receiving people in a, couple, in a year or two. And I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but Russia needs Jesus just like we do. Russia's got issues just like we do. And we can sit and complain about it or we can go over and we can serve. Burkina Faso with the Hillstads, they'll probably be ready and out there learning the language and ready to go in about two to three years. So we've got Thailand, which is tropical. we got Russia, which <laughs> it's cold. It's a big city, St. Petersburg. And we got Burkina Faso in the middle of Africa in the Sahara area. So pick your climate. Think about it. Maybe God's telling you to start putting away a little bit of money for that plane trip because it's going to be amazing when we go out there. Holding nothing back means we accept our priesthood and serve God wholeheartedly. Let's pray. Lord, I know I took a little too long and I'm sorry. I just get excited about this. I pray that my brothers and sisters have grace for me being so long-winded. But the truth is we've got opportunities to step up and serve. Lord, my hope is that every brother and sister out here just got something in their mind, something from whatever we're doing. Maybe there's something I didn't say that they could do here or, or do in the community. or do. I just can't wait. Help us to serve. We just want to be your priests. Lord, I think some of the first parts we can do as our service is just, is just giving back to you. And so, Lord, now as our, our ushers are coming forward and we have the opportunity to, to give our offering, Lord, it's not so that we could just get bigger and, and, and put it in the bank. No, the idea is to take it and use it for your kingdom and your truth. We want to take that, those funds, those resources, and feed people, help people to work with the least and the last and the lost. It's just our opportunity to serve, Lord. And so we thank you. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. Help us to be your priests, faithful, and come as we are, serving wholeheartedly.